Hey, take your copy of God's Word with me this morning and turn to Acts chapter 27. I want to talk to you on this subject of living the blessed life when you're going through a storm. Have you ever heard the phrase, a perfect storm? Now, it's not perfect in the sense of being ideal, but it's perfect in the sense because there's all these contributing factors. You have hurricane-force-type winds, plus a cold front, plus a downpour of rain. All of those working together create some sort of major uh, insurmountable danger or disaster. And any one of those elements alone could be challenging to survive, but when you put them all together, they create a destructive force called a perfect storm. Well, here's what I've discovered. Maybe you have too. You don't have to live or work around the ocean to experience a perfect storm. I mean, think about it. All you need is a layoff plus a recession the discovery of cancer plus a job transfer, maybe a spouse serving you divorce papers plus a child that's in trouble with the law. You know, if you're like me, you quickly develop or discover that life is full of a lot of surprises just when you think you've got it under control. Wow, an interruption. Something out of the blue, something that wasn't on the radar comes along. But I am thankful today, church, that even in the midst of a storm, there is a peace of God that transcends all understanding. Amen? Philippians says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You say, but Pastor Clay, how can I really experience that? Is there really a peace that will transcend my emotions? Is there a peace that will guard my thinking from, from running wild? Yes, there is. Because Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 14, when he was getting, to leave, getting ready to leave them, and they were, they were at their wit's end. You talk about a surprise. All, the, the one who brought them such great comfort, the one who brought them such great spiritual confidence is now saying, hey, I'm going to leave you. But he says these words to them in John chapter 14. Look, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. So is there an actual peace of God that we can download from heaven that will go to our hearts and go to our minds when we're going through our perfect storm? There is, and I think we see that in vivid color in Acts chapter 27. I want to read about Paul who was actually in a literal storm in Acts 27 and see if there aren't some principles that we can, we can learn as we walk through this. The Bible says in verse 13 of Acts 27 that when a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought they could make it. So they pulled up anchored and sailed to the, close to the shore of Crete. But the weather changed abruptly and a wind of typhoon strength, called a northeaster, burst across the island, blew us out to the sea. The sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind. Watch this. So they gave up and they let it run before the gale. Verse 16, we sailed along the sheltered side of a small island named Cotta, 
where with great difficulty we hoisted abroad the lifeboat being towed behind us. Then the sailors bound the ropes around the hull of the ship to strengthen it. They were afraid of being driven across the sandbars of Citrus off the African coast. So they lowered the sea anchor to slow the ship and were driven before the wind. The next day, as gale force winds continued... To batter the ship, the crew started throwing the cargo overboard. Now you know that it must have been desperate when sailors start throwing their tackle boxes overboard. The following day, they even took some of their own ship's gear and threw it overboard. The terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. No one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, Men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not have left Crete. We would have avoided all this damage and loss. But take courage. Watch this now. Take courage. For none of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me And he said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God. And it will be just as he said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. So let's set this story in context. While on a voyage from Caesarea to Rome, Paul and the sailing crew experienced a storm. I mean, it was a doozy of a storm. It was the perfect storm. All of those elements came together. They even named it a Northeaster. So you have a winter sea, you have a a typhoon-type wind, you have an impatient and a scared crew, and you've got a boat that's been beaten up by the storm. Plus, according to the Scripture, it lasted for several days. Maybe not on a ship, but in your life, have you ever been in a storm that's lasted for several days? (laughs) How can you find peace? How can you find that peace that Paul said transcends understanding, that peace that Jesus said, I'll give you? How can you keep your thoughts from running wild and your emotions from, from taking over any kind of joy or confidence or contentment in your life? Well, I want you to look at verse 23. If you have it in a hard copy, underline it. If you can highlight it in your electronic copy of Scripture, this is where we want to park today and hear the word of the Lord. Verse 23 from Acts 27. Paul says, Last night, an angel of God to whom I belong and to whom I serve stood beside me. Last night, an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. And I think out of that verse and this story, friends, there are three things that we should, we should wrap our understanding around when we find ourselves in some of the storms of life. Maybe not a storm on the sea, but storms that you're going through with your family, storms that you're going through in work, storms that you're going through that just are a part of life. And the first truth from this scripture is this, you are not alone. Can I say that? In a storm of life, you are not alone. As a Christ follower, you are not alone. Say that with me. You are not. 
Come on, say it again. You are not alone. Paul said, an angel of God to whom I belong. Can I remind you this morning, church, that God will stand beside you in a storm. And when God stands beside you, you can withstand just about anything. You want to know why? Because when God stands beside you, he brings not only a sense of security, he brings his presence, and that presence brings protection. When God stands beside you, there is a security, there is a confidence, there is a protection that, you, that you'll not experience otherwise. I suspect I uh, discovered that a couple of months ago through my grandson, Jackson. Come on, any grandparents in the house, can I see your hand? Have you discovered that grandkids are God's reward for not killing your own? <laughs> I mean, it's true. We have five, under the age of five, and I'm enjoying this grandparenting. Well, Jackson, our oldest grandson, is four years old, and so we decided that we would try this first time of him uh, him spending the night at Papa and Mimi's house. So we got his jammies all packed. We got his Spider-Man pajamas. We got his Batman toothbrush, you know. We got his little backpack, and we came over, and, and we were all excited. I knew that maybe sleeping in another room wasn't going to work, so, so I created a little space just down below where I sleep on my side of the bed for Jackson to get there. Well, we went through the whole routine. We had some snacks. We read some, we read some books. We had a little prayer. Just about the time Jackson was going down, one of those southwest Missouri storms brewed up, you know, with, with the real pounding thunder and the crack of lightning. And, and Jackson would come. I said, babe, you're right. And, 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 and have you ever been programmed with something that was told to you either by your parents or grandparents? You find yourself saying that, and you go, why in the world did I say that? About the fourth time that Jackson came up, I, I said something to him that I've never said before. It makes no sense. It's not true, but I, 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 just, I think it was programmed in me when I was a kid. He jumped up, and I said, Jackson, Jackson, please, you're okay. Thunder is nothing more than God moving furniture up in heaven. <laughs> Where did that come from? It has no meteorologic truth. It has no theological truth. But Jackson, oh, okay. And I thought, oh, great, it works. So, so Jackson just lay down. And so he lay down. I thought, okay, that one's going to work. So thanks to an uncle or an aunt or a grandma or somebody who told me that. And it just came out before I could think about it. Pretty soon another pop of thunder happened. I'm up in bed. I have my CPAP machine on, you know, that long holes that makes you look like a Ghostbuster from a, that movie. And pretty soon I see these little eyes pop up on the side of my bed. And I open my eyes, and there's Jackson. Jackson says, Papa, could I just lay with you till God's done moving his furniture? <laughs> I said, sure, buddy. So I picked him up and I plopped him right there in the middle between Gail and I and within about two or three minutes he was sound asleep. You see, while this storm was going on on the outside, my presence to Jackson was a sense of security. My presence to Jackson was a sense of protection. And I'm telling you, friends, you're not alone when you go through a storm. The angel of God to whom you belong stands beside you. The Bible says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High can abide under the shadow of the Almighty One. I love that. You'll not always recognize Jesus in a storm, but that's okay. Neither did the disciples. 
Remember that? In Matthew chapter 14, when Jesus was walking on the water out to the boat, they looked at him and they were fearful. They thought he was a ghost. But soon as he got there, he calmed their fears. I don't know what kind of storm you might be in this morning. A family, a work, a relationship, a physical. Here's what I do know. You're not alone. And when Jesus stands beside you in your storm, he will bring a sense of security and he'll bring a sense of presence that brings an accompanying peace that passeth all understanding. You're not alone. There's a second truth about going through storms as Christ followers that I think we can really embrace in our spirits today. And that's this. You belong to God. You belong to God. Verse 23 says, the God to whom I belong. I got great news for you this morning. God delights in being responsible for us. You see, when we give our lives to Christ, when we become Christ followers, when we acknowledge our sins and invite him into our hearts, he takes responsibility for our lives. That's, that's why when you read scriptures like, you are the sheep, he is the shepherd. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. I know my own sheep and they know me. You're not alone. You belong to God. When you become a Christ follower, you become the bride. He's the bridegroom. You're his child. He's your father. You're an heir. You're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And here's what I've discovered. When God's responsible for you, then nothing he ever promises you will he go back on. Aren't you thankful that God doesn't break his word? Aren't you thankful that God doesn't break a promise? That God doesn't lie? Can I ask you, have you ever been the victim of a broken promise? It hurts. But as someone who belongs to the Lord, God will never lie. I suspect I discovered the validity of that in my own life, my freshman year at Bible college. Now, I'm a, I'm a third-generation Pentecostal preacher's kid. I was born and raised in this. In fact, I cut my teeth in the back of church pews. You know, with your dad as the pastor and your mom as the minister of music, both of them on the platform, I, I, was, I, was, I used to fall asleep right in the church pew. In fact, a few times in my life, <laughs> I was left sleeping in the pew. Mom thought dad was going to take me home. Dad thought mom was going to take me home. Can I tell you, you can have the, all the songs you want about how good God is. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. When you wake up and the lights are out in a church, you're all by yourself. That's a spooky place to wake up, I'm just telling you. You hear, thi you hear things you shouldn't hear. Oh, I love the church. All of the major impacting events of my life took place in the local church. Can I tell you, there is nothing more powerful than a healthy local church. I was born again in a church. I was water baptized in a church. I was spirit baptized in the church. I received the call of God on my life in the church. This thing called the church works. When I was nine years old, my dad died suddenly of a heart attack. I was nine, my brother was 15, my sister was 18. I was only 40. And my mom was left with three kids. But I got to tell you, I never felt the negative impact of being raised in a single home because I had a lot of spiritual dads. Royal Ranger commanders who helped me build my Pinewood Derby car. Youth sponsors that would take me on father-son campouts. Honestly, growing up, I kind of felt sorry for kids who only had one dad. 
because they had all these spiritual dads. And can I just put a sidebar comment on this? If you're here this morning and you're a single mom, I want you to know you can make it. You really can. And if you are a single mom, I want you to know you need the help of the church. A church is a great place, and I'm going to ask all of the men in this church, as you come to church, would you allow the Lord to let you become perhaps a spiritual dad to some single mom kids? Because you may be the very answer to prayer in their life. So I grew up with this healthy view of God, healthy view of his call, and I took off and I went to Bible college, and that's when it happened. I started meeting other kids whose dads were in the ministry. In fact, my sweet mate was a, was a preacher's kid from Carlinville, Illinois, and he would go home on the weekends, and his dad would give him an opportunity to just take part in the service, maybe lead worship or be a part of a, a, a meeting. And he'd come back, and we'd stay up late Sunday night, early hours Monday morning, just talking church stuff. He would say things like, you know, my dad said this is how we ought to put a worship service together. My dad said this is how we ought to do discipleship. My dad said this is how we ought to, how we ought to structure our governance. My dad said, my dad said, my dad. And for one of the first times in my life, I felt like I had been cheated by God. I thought, Lord, I would like a dad that would mentor me in this pastoral thing. I would like a dad that would walk out these pastoral principles. Now watch this, church. When you're in a storm and you don't know the outcome, you don't know how long it's going to be, if you're not careful, you'll want to have a tendency to listen to yourself rather than the truth of Scripture. And I don't know about you, but myself lies to me at times. Myself doesn't always tell me the truth, but God will never lie to you. And so I, I all of a sudden started processing the reality of my situation, not through the lenses of Scripture, but through this lens of sort of feeling sorry for myself. Hey, God, why would you do something like this? Why would you take Dad at such an early age? And I, was, I had talked myself into quitting school. I was going to go home and take care of my mom. After all, that was the admirable thing to do. I was the youngest because I thought God was unjust. I remember calling home one Wednesday saying, Mom, this doesn't make sense. Why would God do something so unjust to our family? Why would God take Dad at such an early age from us? <laughs> I now... At my age, now know what she must have felt like when I was posing these questions to her. And like only a godly mom could do, she said, honey, I can't answer all your whys, but I can promise you this. And right on the phone, she broke into a prayer. And her prayer went something like this. Lord, you said in your word. <laughs> I got to tell you, I kind of grew up old school. My mom used that phrase an awful lot, Lord, you said in your word. Now, can I just confess something to you? I'm 55 years old. I am the general superintendent of the Assemblies of God, and I'm just going to tell you straight up, I don't think everything she said was in the book was really in the book, okay? <laughs> I think she just sort of leveraged that to get her way with trying to raise us boys. But Calvary Lighthouse... This time, this particular prayer, she was spot on. Because her prayer went something like this. Lord, you said in your word, you would be a father to the fatherless. And I claim that promise for my son, Doug, in Jesus' name. When we hung up, I didn't feel any better. 
I was kind of still in the mully grubs, feeling sorry for myself, going to quit school. God, you're unfair, you're unjust. Friday night at our campus, there was always a mission service. There was a missionary of Vienna. I, I, I can't remember where they were from or what their challenge was. I just know this. When everybody was singing, I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord, <laughs> I didn't. I just turned around and I knelt in my chapel seat there. And uh, have you ever let something fester in your heart so long that it impacts your prayer life? I wasn't even praying. I was just venting frustration to God. God, this stinks. Why would you do this? And I was in that knelt position in my chapel seat having a nice pity party when all of a sudden I felt the strength and the warmth of this huge hand placed on my back. I turned around and I looked, and there's a gentleman by the name of Forrest Arnold. We all called him Coach Arnold. Coach was six foot six, 250 pounds. We're, we're talking a hulk of a man. He was the athletic director, the basketball coach, and he had his paw, I mean his hand, on my back. He was kind of pushing while he was praying, and when I turned around and I looked, he had a tear coming down his cheek. He said these words to me. He said, Duggar, I know you're, knew your dad, and I know your mom, and both of them would be really proud of you. And then church had happened. He took his hand, and he pulled it to my shoulder, and he pulled me really tight into himself. And he said, I just want you to know that as long as you're at Central Bible College, I consider you like my own son. And when he said son... I jumped up and I tried to hug him and he hugged me and I snotted and cried all down the front of his shirt. But it was like instant replay going off in my mind that 48 hours earlier, there was a godly mom who said, Lord, you said in your word. From that day till now, I have never doubted both the integrity and the ability of God being able to deliver good on his promises. Listen, I can't promise you that life is going to be hassle-free. I can't promise you that life is going to be pain-free. I can't promise you that life is going to be adversity-free. But I can promise you this. Though mountains may crumble and seas run dry, it's the word of our God that stands forever. You belong to God. And when you belong to Him, He takes personal responsibility for you. You're the sheep of His pasture. You're the people of His care. And when God takes responsibility for you, you can bet, you can just, you can bet it. You can bet on the fact that he won't lie. That every promise that he's given in his word will come to pass. You belong to God. That was important for Paul to, to understand. He said, you know, an angel of the Lord came and stood beside me to whom I belong. You're here this morning and you're not in right relationship with the Lord. I can't imagine doing life apart from being in a relationship with God. Life hurts enough to try to do it on your own. But when you belong to God, there is a peace that passeth understanding. There is a wisdom. There is a courage. There are spiritual transactions that come from heaven into your heart and your mind because you belong to him. He takes responsibility. So in your middle of a storm, remember, you're not alone. You belong to God. Let me give you one third thought from this passage of Scripture, and that's this. You have an assignment. 
You have an assignment. If you're breathing today, you have an assignment. Notice verse 24. The angel said, don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. You say, now, Doug, what's so important about that? Well, I would submit to you that this God's no respecter of persons. Just as Paul has an assignment, so too you have an assignment. Now, let's consider it in Paul's situation. God gave Paul an assignment, and that was to carry the gospel to Rome. Paul hadn't arrived in Rome yet, so God wasn't finished with him. Paul knew he would survive because God said, look, you've got to stand trial before Caesar, so I've got an assignment for you. You say, Doug, that's nice, that works for Paul, but what about me? Consider this verse from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God's prepared beforehand so that we could walk in them. Or maybe this verse from Psalm 139, 16, all the days planned for me were written in your book before I was one day old. Hallelujah. Look, no life is too short, no life is too long. You're going to live a prescribed number of days. I'm not saying that you're never going to have problems or issues or interruptions in your future. But what I am saying is that for each one of us, God has an assignment. He didn't just create you and wind you up and say, now go try to survive on earth for about 60, 70, 80 years. No, you were created in his image. And the Bible says that he's got good deeds prepared in advance for you to do. So my challenge for you when you're going through a storm, don't focus on the things that you can't control. Focus on what you can control. Stop focusing on all these things that are coming at you that are out of your control and focus on the one who can be in control and that's God, your Father, to whom you belong. You have an assignment. So don't give up hope. I love how Isaiah 43 puts it, watch this, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. Focus on the I will be with you instead of the raging waters. Focus on the I will be with you not on the overwhelming circumstance. Focus on the I will be with you as opposed to the insurmountable unknowns of what you're going through. I heard a story a couple weeks ago of a pastor who talks about someone in his church that experienced a miracle, a divine intervention from God. He tells the story about a little boy in his church named Noah who discovered the protecting presence of Jesus. Noah was with his family when they were driving from their house to a neighborhood pool in their San Antonio subdivision. Noah's mom was driving so slowly that the automatic doors of the minivan did not engage. And while they were going from the house to a pool just a short distance, Noah kind of opened the door and all of a sudden Noah's mom felt a bump like she had driven over a speed bump. They stopped the van and jumped out and found Noah laying on the pavement. The father, who was following them from behind, jumped out of his car, picked up the boy and said, He's alive! He's alive! Well, his body was shaking, his legs were covered in blood. They rushed him to the hospital. 
After several hours of medical examinations, they discovered there were no broken bones, no internal injuries. A 5,000-pound van ran over a little boy, and all he had were a few cuts and bruises. That night, Noah's mom was laying with Noah in bed and just kind of under her breath was thanking Jesus for his protective intervention. Noah all of a sudden turned towards his mom and said, Mama, Jesus catched me today. He did, she said. Yep, and I told Jesus, thank you, he said. And she said, well, what did you say? What did he say? He said, he said, you're welcome. <laughs> Noah fell asleep. The next morning, Noah's mom asked Noah about Jesus catching him. And he went into great detail. He said, Mama, Jesus has brown hands and he catched me like this, stretching his arms out with his palms up. And that night during family prayers, Noah prayed this prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for catching me. Thank you, Jesus, for always being there for me. I would submit to you this morning, church, that God delights in catching his people. Isaiah 41.10, don't be afraid. Watch this. For I am with you. Don't be discouraged. For I am your God. I will strengthen you and hold you up with my victorious right hand. And one more verse. If you're here today and you're in the middle of the storm and you need to be reminded that you're not alone, that you belong to him, and that you have an assignment, I want you to claim this verse from Psalm 34, verse 18, where the psalmist says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Maybe 2018 hasn't started out like you thought it would. Maybe immediately after the holidays, you've been faced with your own northeastern. Seems like all of the elements have come together. Would you take would you take comfort not just from the words of a preacher but from the words of scripture? Acts 27 verse 23 Paul says the Lord to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and encouraged me. I don't know what you might be going through today but here's what I do know. Not all Sundays are created equal. And when leadership prays for church services, when leadership prays that the time together on Sunday would be incredibly relevant and spirit-sensitive to what you need in your life, who knows that God hasn't prescribed this message just for you today. Don't let today pass you by without responding appropriately to this word. And if you're looking for some handles to hang on to in the storm, no better handles than right here in the word of the Lord. You belong to him. You're not alone. He's got an assignment for you. And the Lord really is close to the broken hearted. Hey, let's pray.